Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. As a traveler, it's a fact you're going to need to manage your spending in different currencies. You need a service that not only helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, but also does it without the hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This is where WISE comes in. WISE is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. I've been a customer for over a decade. It's been a lifesaver for me as a traveler, a nomad, and now a permanent resident abroad. If you're a traveler who's still using your regular bank, you need to check this out. Join 16 million customers and learn how the WISE account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to WISE for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. As black people, we've been migrating for centuries, voluntarily and involuntarily. And so at the foundation, at the core, you know, with Blacks at Global, I say for any member of the diaspora who feels like their heart is calling them to a land that is other than their own, go explore it, right? Go see and test it out. I don't feel like, you know, we have uh, allegiance to our home country, be it the United States, Canada, Jamaica, wherever, right? Um, that said, it can't ignore racism in the United States. And for some people, that is a very complex or taboo topic, but not when that's your lived experience, <laughs> because that's your day to day. You don't get an off switch um, from it. That is today's guest, Krishan Wright, the founder of Blacksit Global, a visionary platform dedicated to empowering the African diaspora to pursue a life abroad. She also hosts the podcast, Blacks at Global, a bi-weekly podcast featuring inspiring conversations with trailblazing black expats who, out of fear or frustration, left their country of origin to live out their wildest dreams abroad, which is exactly what we're talking about today as one of the people leading the charge of this movement. She is here to share some insights into where it's at and where it's going along the way. We discuss her number one strategy for setting yourself up for happiness with a move abroad, which is all about taking a scouting trip to your new potential home country. You're going to learn how to structure one and why it's much different than your typical holiday. She also shares advice for introverts moving abroad who want to connect with a community, some of the best places to live abroad right now, why Portugal checked off all the boxes for her, giving you some ideas on how to create your own checklist, and much more happening in this show right now. So buckle up, strap in. Thanks for being here and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, what's up? It's Jason here with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. We are kicking off Black History Month with 
this wonderful episode with Krishan Wright. I thought it'd be a great opportunity to have her on because she is making history in the present day by leading the charge of the Black Sit movement through her community and her podcast, which just launched a new season. So you can check that out. We'll link to it all in the show notes. We're going to get into it now. Don't forget, if you haven't done so, sign up for our newsletter over at zerototravel.com slash newsletter. It's free. goes out once a week. You can keep in touch. We've got some exciting announcements coming up off the podcast, and the only way to get them is to be on the newsletter. So take a moment to do that if you haven't done so. And stick around on the back end of this conversation. I'll share a quote to tie this all together, which is part of a site definitely worth visiting for now. Here's my conversation with Krishan Wright, and I'll see you on the other side, my friend. Cheers. Senhores passageiros, dentro de momentos, vendas novas. Ao desembarcar, tenha intenção de grau e a distância entre a porta e a plataforma. Por favor, não se esqueça da sua bagagem nem objetos pessoais. Next stop, vendas novas. Krishan Wright, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Hey, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. You're not too far away, like geographically, right? No. no Tell everybody where you all. are. I am in Lisbon, Portugal. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Beautiful city. Yes. Uh, you come from New Jersey, though, right? New York, New Jersey area? Uh, yeah. Originally, I'm from New York City, from the Bronx. And I moved to New Jersey in probably like 2006. Okay. Yeah. Anything anything you miss about New York, New Jersey? I mean, pizza, the pizza there. <laughs> you know what? Actually, I like the pizza here better. I do miss, though, I am a fan of the arts. So I miss Broadway. I miss the museums. I miss the, the cultural like backdrop of the city. Uh, that part I do miss. But like the dirt and the lots of people and stuff, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> How is your Portuguese coming along? Because I was listening to your podcast and I, I heard that you were you were testing out a little Portuguese and I was like, yeah. right on. Because I know, I mean, I know the struggle to learn another language is real. <laughs> it is. It is. Eu aprendendo português. Uh, eu falo inglês. E... Um pouco português. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Are you? Have you been practicing it on the streets and kind of? Yes. Yeah. Where I live, uh, I live, you know, in Lisbon, but I'm like just outside, so I'm more with uh, natives than I am where tourists are. So there are no options for me to switch over to English, like at the, at the grocery store, at the ATM. It's all like sink or swim, sister. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel a bit more connected to the country since you've started to learn the language at all? Oh, most definitely. I am so grateful that I made the decision to move to Lisbon in April of 2022, coming off of my first scouting trip. And then now since I've been here, watching the news, interacting with my neighbors, I'm picking up on words or just able to discern maybe not everything that they say, but a few context clues to figure out what they're trying to say. And then I can respond. Sometimes I can't, <laughs> right? Um, but the more vocabulary I have and the more I write down words, now when I hear them <laughs> out in the wild, <laughs> I can be like, oh, wait a minute, I know what that word is and kind of figure out my, my bearings and such. Tell me about the scouting trip for you. What, did, what was that 
like? What was the intention? And maybe I'm also fishing a bit for somebody else that might be considering a move abroad, uh, using a scouting trip as a as a, a sort of a test run. Sounds like that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a huge proponent of scouting trips. Uh, I did my first scouting trip. It was technically a vacation that turned into a scouting trip uh, in 2017 when I went to New Zealand, because actually that was where I originally wanted to move. And I wanted to see, especially since I was when I was a little girl, I used to journal about moving to New Zealand. And then as an adult, that kind of got away from me, <laughs> came back and then finally made it there in 2017. And so I wanted to try it on for size. I wanted to do things that were less touristy, but just kind of live my life and see how I felt, how I felt navigating the country and, you know, eating the foods and just everything being different, everything being new, right? It's like living your life in Technicolor and, you know, I don't even know what they're up to, 8K, whatever it is. (laughs) And so that was fun. And then I did scout New Zealand again in February of 2020, right before lockdown. And then 2020 happened and, yeah, I launched the podcast and then, Maybe around 2021, because my daughter was still, um, you know, doing the whole quarantine homeschool thing. Uh, she was she was in her junior year of high school at the time, and she shared that um, me moving to New Zealand felt a bit too far. Once she's in college, and so I thought about it, and I was like, you know what, that's fair. You know, 29 hours is a bit much, <laughs> so. <laughs> I uh, And there were other reasons, but that was really a, a big one. And we went to therapy. We talked about it. And then I went you know, on the quest to finding another country. I scouted uh, Costa Rica in 2022. That scouting trip didn't go that great. And for those same reasons, I didn't do anything touristy. I just wanted to do my normal routine. And if and in that trip in particular, and nothing about the country itself, but just my ability to navigate it, you know, as a digital nomad was a bit more challenging than I would have liked. And so that came off the list. And then that fast forward to going to Portugal in April of 2022. And I honestly did not think that there was a country that I would have that much joy and excitement about coming off of New Zealand. Cause that's always like my number one boo, my bay, like we're together, <laughs> but Portugal exceeded my expectations. I felt safe. I felt seen. It's a beautiful country, beautiful people. Food is excellent. Uh, and so I knew that that was where I wanted to be. And then to the plus side, it was, you know, really great metro system, excellent international airport, six hours back to the East Coast. So it checked off all the boxes. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Is it living up to the expectations that you had at the, at the time? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's exceeded it. Every awesome. day I consider myself grateful. You know, I, I guess I could probably say like, oh, wow, you know, this was my second choice. But I don't feel that way. Honestly, I feel like everything lined up the way it was supposed to. And I'm very, very happy that I'm here. There are always compromises along the way, right? With family and and things like that. Sounds like your daughter in the end was 
really supportive of uh, it kind of found the happy medium for everybody, which is really cool. I love the just the idea of um, thinking about you on these scouting trips and just kind of thinking, how do you get into that mindset of, uh, is it like kind of sitting in the street like, all right, let me just pretend I'm living here right now. Like, what does that feel like? Is that kind of <laughs> yeah. the, you know, because it's hard to go somewhere new and not run around and explore. Oh, it's it's like you have to sit on your hands in a way. <laughs> so for me, it was I had some rules in my head. I didn't want to get distracted because, as I talked about before, I love museums. I love the arts. And so I had to just, Krishan, you are not going to a museum. <laughs> you are not doing all that stuff. You need to see if you can live here, right? So it was more like looking for hair care products, uh, navigating the metro, um, making sure I wasn't feeling intimidated or closed off, you know, as I was looking for areas in which I wanted to live, especially on that second scouting trip. I started to, because I, after the first scouting trip, I should say, I was torn between living on the coast by the ocean, because I love the beach, or living more towards the city. And so for almost a full year. It was just back and forth in my head trying to figure it out. And then when I came in April of 2023, I was looking at different areas of the city. And then that's when it was like go time. I needed to you know, make my list and my criteria and hone down um, where I wanted to live. And if I were in places that you know seemed nice, but it was too rural, or the closest store was down a hill. <laughs> and, you know, like just things that really started to matter in terms of my everyday life. And I, I moved abroad with a, a fur baby. So I had to think about, you know, what is it going to be like navigating this country and the city where I live with a dog and, you know, making sure her needs were met. And so, there were a lot of factors that ultimately I'm grateful that I did make the investment, not only time, but in money to do a scouting trip. And I highly recommend them. I'm actually hosting a scout house in August of 2024 for Black travelers who are interested in coming to Portugal and they want to kick the tires and kind of show them around, like, here are the things that you want to look out for. You know, think about the currency exchange. Think about your banking, timing, you know, credit card payments <laughs> on the U.S. side. You know, just all of the things that in the moment you're in the euphoria and the newness and the patina hasn't worn off yet of the country. It's all of that allure. But then after a while, it is every day, right? <laughs> every day you're not, you know in a castle and, you know, eating gelato or on a rooftop having, you know, a nice drink. <laughs> At some point you just have to live. Yeah. Yeah. Living could involve eating gelato every day though. Couldn't it? That, uh, that, that, that part. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only speaking for myself, but <laughs> from personal experience, maybe no. I love that you're showing people a, a country in that way and kind of letting them, like you said, kick the tires. It's um, one of the things you mentioned is uh, when you were walking around on the scouting ship, you, you said you felt seen. Can you talk about that? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a native New Yorker. And so in a city where there's millions of people, uh, sometimes that's hard to, to feel like you're seen <laughs> um, because everybody's go, 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 no eye contact, you know, there's interactions tend to be, especially just in America in general, right? It's very much an individualistic society 
as compared to some that are more centered around the collective. And I didn't know that perspective until I started to travel outside the borders of the United States and started to embrace, you know, other cultures and be in a position of learning and growth. And so when I went to New Zealand, that's when I got that first taste. And I was like, what? (laughs) Walking down the street and people saying hello, making eye contact. And also just the division, you know, of when they see me, nobody was trying to like, you know, read who I am, even in Portugal, you know, they're most people, when they approach me, regardless of skin tone, <laughs> they speak to me in Portuguese. And so I feel, and I've always felt in other societies, that I was seen, I was embraced, I wasn't othered. Um, that's not to say that I haven't had interactions <laughs> with people from other countries, like when I remember when I was in Greece and I was uh, at the Acropolis and there were tourists from another country and they were like kind of like pointing I can get that, right? Especially if you come from a homogenous culture and you're not used to seeing other people. Uh, I perceive it as rude, but maybe it's not in their country. So I give people a little bit of deference there. Um, But nevertheless, that was what I wanted. I wanted to be embraced because where I grew up in Co-op City in the Bronx, I knew my neighbors. My neighbors knew me. I had cousins in almost every building. And so as an adult, it was just like in the States, we, we tend to get in these silos. You know, you have your work friends and you may have your like core people, but sometimes you're not, especially I guess in New Jersey, New York metro area, not always able to see each other because everybody's busy, right? Everybody's dashing off to something else. And then you kind of get in these, like I said, just silos. And since I've been traveling abroad, and then most definitely since I've been living abroad, I have been so overwhelmed by people embracing me, having such great connections. Actually, after this interview, I'm going to meet with one of my members who's in his 70s, who's here with his grandchildren. (laughs) And it's just these connections that I wouldn't have otherwise have had, had I not extended myself and put myself out there. So that I feel is a true gift. I love that. And and you're paying it forward by also connecting people through your community, Blacksit Global. Well, we're going to link to all this stuff because you have, you know, so like the trips you mentioned, you have um, a Move Abroad course and Blacksit Global, the community dedicated to educating, informing, empowering, and inspiring brothers and sisters of the African diaspora to pursue a life abroad, which is really this movement. And I found out about it when I came across this LA Times article titled America Does Not Deserve Me, Why Black People Are Leaving the United States. And I I was like, I have to talk to somebody from this article here. And that's how I I found your work. This conversation has to start with racism in America, right? Past and present in terms of blacks. Can you talk about the movement? I have a lot of questions around that. Yeah. So the movement you know, it, in a, in some ways is, isn't, it isn't foreign in a way, because as Black people, we've been migrating for centuries, voluntarily and involuntarily. And so at the foundation, at the core, you know, with Blacks at Global, I say for any member of the diaspora who feels like their heart is calling them to a land that is other than their own, go explore it, right? 
go see and test it out. I don't feel like, you know, we have uh, allegiance to our home country, be it the United States, Canada, Jamaica, wherever, right? Um, That said, it can't ignore racism in the United States. And for some people, that is a very complex or taboo topic, but not when that's your lived experience, (laughs) because that's your day to day. You don't get an off switch um, from it. And so, you know, it's interesting that with all of the people that I get to have the pleasure of meeting throughout my travels and since creating this platform, despite differences in age, geography, family of origin, uh, profession, education, income, you know, the list can go on and on in terms of, you know, demographics and psychographics, et cetera. We're all singing the same Negro spiritual that our ancestors like James Baldwin and Josephine Baker and other luminaries, Richard Wright had had before, you know, the plight is still the same feeling the brunt and the effects of racism, oppression, disenfranchisement, discrimination, microaggressions. And for a lot of us, 2020, including the murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and the many that have followed and the ones that preceded, but definitely 2020 was, I wouldn't even say a wake-up call, but for many people, including myself, a flipped you know, switch got flipped and it was go time. It made it very clear that for some people, they believe that, you know, slavery ended (laughs) Uh, and others like myself feel like everything that has followed has been an optimization from the nation's original sin. And until America is able to confront that in a meaningful way, these issues are going to persist. There is a deliberate reluctance. There's always a kick the can. This is not the right time. Why should I pay for something my ancestors did? All of that other things. But my mom picked cotton, right? When she was a little girl. My grandmother is and grandfather are buried in a segregated cemetery. My grandmother's land in Florida has a highway running through it. So you can't tell me, and I'm still alive, and my mother's still alive, you can't tell me that it was so long ago because this is our lived, this is our lived experience. And so for people who have chosen this path or are considering this path, it is challenging because you have oftentimes you're the first in your family to do this and in your peer set. So you're getting the, oh my gosh, why would you do that? You know, then you have the the macro society telling you, oh, America's so great. And, you know, this is the land of the free and the home of the brave, but your lived reality is in conflict. And so what Blacks the Global does is create that safe space for people to have the ability to vent, to have the ability to, you know, hear and be supported and be seen and be affirmed because they know when they go to work or around their family that 
that's probably not the best environment and not because their family may not uh, love them, but it's because there's been a conditioning over time and and to some an acceptance or not even acceptance, but just exhaustion, exhaustion and said, you know, I can't keep fighting. And so now for some of us, we've taken the fight abroad. You know, we still stay connected to our family. We still find ways to support and to still raise these issues, but I don't have to be on American soil to do that. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why We're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Now, back to the show. Can you talk about your experience with racism in America, like your personal experience? Oh, sure. I mean, there's been so many... Spent so many. Uh, you know, there were things like I remember in grad school, a, a student having an issue about the fact that I had a fellowship. I was I had received a fellowship, and and I was just like, hmm. <laughs> uh, been definitely discriminated against in employment. I remember one in particular, this uh, employer, and I was being trained to kind of go into a higher level to replace someone else. And I was filling in, thought I had it in the bag, found out I did not have it through an email when they announced who (laughs) the candidate was. And it was just like, oh, but 
you're still of childbearing age. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, what? Um, you know, there's just been, you know, whether it's racism or sexism or all of the isms, uh, it's been an experience, you know, the othering. Do you belong here? Uh, the interactions with police. Um, it's just a lot. And what I appreciate being here now on the other side is having my mind right back, right? Having this free space in my mind because I'm not second guessing, oh, wait, should I not have my hands in my pocket? Should I not have my hood on my head? Should I, you know, fix my resting bitch face? But this is like my face, <laughs> right? Because there's always this um, air of making white people feel comfortable, right? I don't want to make my hair a certain way. You know, that was another thing. When I changed my hair, it would just be like this whole big thing. And it's like, but it's my hair, <laughs> right? And so I, it's exhausting. It's exhausting to have to deal with that and then to go other places and it not be an issue. And I remember in Greece, I remember these Greek women would come up to me and they were like, oh my gosh, you're so beautiful. And same when I was in uh, Indonesia, had great experiences in New Zealand. And I was like, wow, like, I don't get that at all in my own country. <laughs> like, and not in a fetishy kind of way, or I'm trying to butter you up because you're a tourist. It was like, you can, cause you can tell like a genuine interaction between some people. And I'm like, I don't even get that in my home country. And so that, that had me start to chase these experiences and, and other people who have been doing this start to feel the same way. And by creating the platform and having conversations with black expats, that's when I realized that these interactions weren't just unique to me, that these interactions were the interactions that we have outside of the U.S. And it's not to say that racism doesn't exist in other lands because it does. And racism isn't unique to black people. But what I will say is that uh, the level of racism outside the U.S. is not lethal. Yeah, I mean, a couple things that came up exhausting as a word. You just painted the picture of it there. I mean, thanks for sharing your personal experience. You mentioned the Black Lives Matter movement. I think a, a switch flipped for a lot of white Americans, too, in a way, like, you know, just starting to acknowledge white privilege, which I want to acknowledge here right now. I never had to deal with microaggressions or if I see the police, are they going to kill me today? These these kind of things you're talking about or how my hair looks or any, you know, any of this stuff. And I mean, if anybody listening to this questions any of that, I mean, I, I'm going to link to some stuff in this sh in the show notes. I, I would definitely encourage you to read the book Cast, The Origins of Our Discontents by Isabel Wilkerson. Incredible book. And there's a, a talk by Peggy McIntosh who uh, coined this term white privilege. I mean, it's embarrassing to me that it took so long to kind of come to some of these realizations, just not thinking about this stuff growing up and, and really understanding it. And, and I can't understand it. It, it. You know, I can only understand it how much I can through through reading and these conversations. But when I saw the article and I saw what you were doing, that's we share a lot of unconventional lifestyles here on this podcast. And like you said before, it's 
yes, everybody has different circumstances, but perhaps for some people, if this is something that you just can't deal with anymore, there, there perhaps is an option to change your environment by getting out. Hearing what you're saying and, and kind of reading about this stuff, I mean, it's no surprise that this is a, a bit of a movement, right? And maybe more than a bit of a movement. What are some of the other reasons based on your interactions as far as leaving the U.S. Uh, specifically to move abroad? Yeah. And, you know, I know a lot of our conversation is centered around the U.S., but, you know, we have, that's the reason why it's Blacks at Global, because I have conversations with people that are in other countries, but there are definitely similarities. Um, but to talk about other issues, it's um, business and entrepreneurial endeavors that they may not have been able to pursue. So, for example, there's a gentleman here who has a, a jazz club that he opened and he, uh, you know, if you were to do that in the United States, they were, you know, in New York City, <laughs> nonetheless, right, which would be like a comparable, comparable right, Lisbon, Portugal, Um in terms of being a metropolitan, cosmopolitan city, there would be thousands of dollars a month in rent just alone yeah, versus right. a couple of hundred, right? So yeah. if you hmm. fail, you're out a couple hundred bucks. Right? <laughs> right. Just the economics of it. Yeah. Yeah. And also you're not dealing with, okay, if I want to give birth to this idea, do I have to worry about going to the bank and having somebody give me a higher interest rate or a landlord charging me a higher rent, right? These are things that run in the background of your mind, not just because we have free time on our hands and want to be conspiracy theorists. It's because there are real issues of systemic racism that exist. You know, we see that there are people who have been unable to sell their homes or get, you know, a lowball rate for their home just because they had a picture of themselves in the home. But then when they get rid of all the pictures or they swap it out for, you know, a white homeowner, surprisingly, the value goes up a couple hundred thousand dollars, right? So it's not conjecture. Um, some people, you know, one of my members, uh, actually, she and her family moved here two months ago and bought an entire building. And they're renovating it and they're going to have apartments, you know, that they're going to have tenants and maybe like one short, short term rental. But where can you buy an entire building? <laughs> right. And for the same price that you would. I wouldn't even say a starter home in the States because I know starter homes in the States are now like half a million, but surprisingly considerably less. Right. And so, again, there's a lower barrier of entry. And so when you know that there are things that you have wanted for yourself, that for many of us, irrespective of race, really, is the closer you get to goal sometimes, the further the yardstick moves, right? You're just about to gra grasp it. And then it's like, oh, we're going to move it, right? Before you only needed, you know, half, half a million, million to retire. Now they're talking 10 million, right? And it's just like every time you get close, the yardstick moves. So whether it's entrepreneurial pursuits, real estate endeavors, um, some people want to pursue education. And we know and now I have two children in college that I'm paying for. It's expensive. Um, and then just uh, quality of life and in that healthcare, right? We know healthcare is ridiculously expensive in the United States. And so people who are coming here are 
really grateful that they have, they know that if they get sick or need some treatment, that it's not going to bankrupt them. There's the issue around, you know, the quality of the food. You know, you're not laden with preservatives and chemicals and just wanting to have an ease of living. And that is something that unfortunately, despite all the the rhetoric <laughs> around uh, America, there are just certain things that when you look at the numbers, when you look at the facts, you can't ignore. You know, there's a high infant, black infant mortality rate. You can't deny that. There's a high black maternal infant mortality rate. You can't deny that. That is fact. So when you look at it and you realize we all have a finite amount of time on this floating rock called Earth, how do you want to spend your time? And for some of us, we've gotten to a point where continuing to, to exist and really it's just that an existence wasn't sufficient and that we could take our talents, our skills, our education and put it to our own use. We can start businesses. We can, you know, relax <laughs> and take naps. We can eat good food and meet great people and enjoy our lives and not fear interactions with the police or the proliferation of guns in America, which is obscene. Uh, and just know that you can have a life well lived. Thinking back to sort of one of the peaks you had with uh, like just being exhausted by the society in a way, right? Putting yourself back there and now where you are today I just wanted to hear a bit more about how your daily life has changed or improved and maybe some negative things too, you know, and we could talk about the negatives of living abroad later, but I think quality of life definitely has improved. You know, I sleep. <laughs> <laughs> sleep is good. <laughs> sleep is good. And I realized how much I was sleep deficient in the States. Like these whole like blackout shutter things they have going on in Europe. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. They work like, well. <laughs> I remember that first night I was like, what? Is this what I have been missing in my life? I sleep. The dog sleeps. <laughs> she used to wake up early. Even um, better, right? The ability to be out. And I'm, I definitely describe myself as an inter introvert. Um, but I'm out in these streets now. And so a couple of nights a week, I'm out either just being out and about running errands. Like the other night, uh, one of my friends came down from the Silver Coast and spent the night and I'm still putting my apartment together. And so uh, I had washed my sheets and hung them to dry because I don't have a dryer and they were still were damp. And I was like, ah, oh. so like 10 o'clock at night, I went to the mall and I bought sheets and some stuff for the house. And the malls here stay open till two, uh, 12, till midnight. And I got back home, maybe like 1230. I feel safe, you know, two o'clock in the morning coming home. I'm not worried about someone accosting me. I'm not worried about being shot. Um, the food here is, like I mentioned before, it's incredible. Um, I'm going to Italy in a few weeks because uh, I can, <laughs> and, and uh, it's it's reasonable because I can. Um, and so 
that has been really great. And the cost of living, you know, I cut my expenses by easily 60% because some I'm out a lot. Um, but even on the months or weeks that I'm out quite a bit, I still haven't come close to what I paid just in rent in New Jersey, just to kind of give you like a comparison. Um, and so I love, I love my new life and I am glad that I invested in me and I put the time and the intention to make this decision. It was a long time coming. As I mentioned, I've been wanting to live abroad since I was a little girl. And so for me, Yes, there were some external factors and that we discussed, um, but this walk, this journey was a seed that was planted a long, long time ago. And sometimes we have these desires in life that kind of go away from us and we don't get to make that happen. We don't get to see it come to fruition for a variety of reasons. And I'm glad that I, I chose me. Yeah, I'm so happy for you. That's that's incredible. It's it's almost like you can't go wrong if you go back to one of those childhood wishes and fulfill it, you know? You mm-hmm. almost can't go wrong, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Where do you think that came from? You mentioned that before, you know, journaling, talking about New Zealand mm-hmm. as a child, just like having that desire so early on. Yeah, I don't know. I was I was always bookish as a child. Spent a lot of time in the library and I had this globe in my room and I remember I used to spin it and I don't know if it was something I heard in class or what, but New Zealand was it. <laughs> it was, I used to journal about it. I told my mom, my, my life plan was when I turned 26, I was going to be a corporate lawyer living in New Zealand. <laughs> and uh, when I turned 26, I was graduating with my master's at spent maybe four years at that point working in, in the legislature in New York politics. And I was pregnant with my son. (laughs) And so, (laughs) like I said, life took on its life. And as that happened, the dream came further and further away. But, um, I, I call this year in particular, a return to self. Nice. Do you have a theme for each of your years in that way? Yeah, I try yeah. to. Yeah. Okay. What What are you thinking about for the coming year? Wow. One thing that I have definitely been happy about with this move is that I have stopped this habit of time warping. Uh, I used to spend a lot of time in my head and ruminate uh, and time warp and time shift. I would shift to the future or I'd go back to the past and replay things or jump to the, I can't wait when, I can't wait till when. And now I don't do that anymore. More now in the present I'm moment it kind as of thing? it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that for 2024, I'll just see what happens. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago, and immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This 
device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks, so they also make an exceptional gift. Thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever zero to travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me, Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. You mentioned being an introvert. Well, two things. I was wondering, first of all, how the moving abroad experience is if you tend towards being an introvert. Obviously, this is very much individual personality, but generally speaking, you would say when an introvert might, is less likely to maybe like go out, might be harder to put yourself out there to meet people, sort of that sort of thing. And, you know, that can be one of the big challenges of moving abroad, of course, is finding a new group of friends and community and all that. So wondering if you could share advice around that. And also you're running a community as an introvert, which is helping to connect people. For yourself, how do you embrace who you are and still step into that role that I don't know if that's uncomfortable for you at times or how you manage that or any tips you mm-hmm. can share. Yeah, I I still, even though <laughs> I saw this, I don't know if you saw it, there was this meme floating around yesterday uh, where it was someone, a traveler was saying like, oh, you know, I, I was misdiagnosed as an introvert because I'm really a travelvert. <laughs> like this whole new aspect of my personality comes out whenever I'm abroad. And I laughed because I'm like, oh my gosh, that is me. <laughs> because when I am outside, I do enjoy now, and that, that started on the trip to New Zealand, discovering ex- aspects of my personality that I never knew existed. You know, I'm afraid of heights and I hiked a volcano and I went zip lining. I don't know how to swim. I went kayaking and I've done a stand-up paddle boarding and I'm like discovering these aspects of Krishan that I even created stories around. And so the gift of this chapter of life is challenging my own beliefs and perceptions about myself about others, about how I see the world. And then through the community that I've created in Black Sea Global Passport, which is our, our private community, it, it this cohort, there was about uh, 12 of us that moved to uh, Portugal between late August to uh, early September. And we have, you know, this tight, like cohort, right? We had, I threw a freedom party and not only to celebrate our respective journeys, but, you know, the collective came out to celebrate not only us, but themselves. Because when you're on the journey, not you don't always get to 
enjoy or acknowledge the atta girls and the atta boys, you know? So it was just a time to see like, this is how far we've come. And, you know, I've also had a, a member that this year moved to Thailand last year, um, a guest on the podcast, um, uh, season five, she moved to um, Vietnam. And so just being able to put people in connection with different resources to support because it can be very isolating. There are times, and I think the gift for me is this isolation at times that self-imposed allows me to be self-reflective as much as it does introspective, um, to know that there are times where just like my cell phone needs to get plugged in, <laughs> I need to have some alone time to kind of re-energize, refuel, and then I can get back out there. And so what I love about community and, and the self-awareness, I X'd out some neighborhoods because I knew that either distance or a variety of factors were going to have me migrate to my default, which is to be insular. And I know that that was not the goal for this journey. The goal of me moving abroad wasn't just to get distance and perspective from the United States, nor was it an escape. It was, okay, what do I want to accomplish during this time, this chapter in my life? And I wanted to get out more. I wanted to have time to go to museums. I wanted to you know, travel to other countries within Europe and the continent of Africa. You know, there were things that I wanted to do. And so when I say to anyone, one, get in where you fit in, but most importantly, understand your why, because your why is going to fuel you through those days where your lived journey is not matching up with what you either heard on a podcast or saw on an Instagram story or, or on a YouTube video you know, that's going to help you on those days where you're at immigration for half the day or trying to get money out of the bank and something's going wrong and, and you're like frustrated. You know, you need to remember, you know, it's not, it usually is not a today problem. And sometimes the things that I know for me that have rattled me in the past, barely, barely, barely get under my skin now. And I think that comes from community having people around who can empathize and who have either walked that walk or something like that, or, and um, just peace, peace. Yeah. It's, I love that you with the cohort took the time to just acknowledge how far you'd come. I think that's something we don't do enough as humans, right? Just kind of be like, wait a second. Look, look at what we've done here. This is pretty <laughs> cool. You know, I mean, yeah. You know how it is in the States. I mean, it's like that striving mentality of like, yes, got to get to the next level and bigger and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. And it's like, well, hold on here. Let's, uh, let's just celebrate where we're at <laughs> right yeah, now. It's because a nice thing. It's one of those things that, you know, you don't, every time you do something, you know, it's not to say you always have to get like a pat on the back, but you know, again, the, the individualism and, and the, capitalist society that is America is all about, you know, accomplishing and consuming and, you know, rinse and repeat. And I want to be me. I want to be Krishan. And if you don't fit the mold, then you're like this outsider. And 
I know for me that that was no longer, that wasn't going to sustain me. It was killing me. You know, I had the, you know, six, multiple six figure job. I had the, you know, degrees. I've done all these things. I've worked in politics, worked in television, worked in healthcare, worked in, you know, like all of these industries and always in high level positions. And that's when I realized, like, I'm doing what I can to affect the system in a positive way. But despite my best efforts and level of influence, it's actually working as it is designed to. And so when I was confronted with that reality, it was like, okay, now what do I do with this, right? You can't unsee it. (laughs) So I had a choice to make. And like I said before, I chose me. And there's no regrets. I'm having a great time. My kids are doing well. My mom's doing well. Um, I And now my, my daughter's coming uh, on her winter break and my brother's coming in the beginning of the year. And, you know, it hasn't skipped a beat in that respect. You know, it's definitely a great decision. And I know it's not for everyone, um, but if you have that calling, then you know what? Take it, take the leap, or at least get curious, get in community and, and see, try it on for size. I would be high-fiving you right now if we were in person. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe next time, maybe next time. When I come to Norway, because I still need to see these, uh, (laughs) these lights, these Northern lights that keep, they're very elusive. When I went to Iceland, they just, they hit on me. (laughs) You do need to come up and see that. I was looking at some glamping cabin things in Norway today and, and the tagline oh my goodness, was like, tell me more. Look, at, look at the Northern lights from your bed. I was like, yes, please <laughs> sign me up oh for gosh, that. You have to share. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think uh, maybe I have these people on the podcast. Maybe we can, maybe we can record something and uh, while we're watching. Right? But um, well, vice versa, I'd like to come down uh, back to Portugal. I'm always looking for an excuse to go there. Yeah, uh, I've had the privilege to go a couple times and it's a, it's a wonderful place. Okay, so let me get your advice on, you mentioned the extensive corporate background you've had and working in politics and all the different things you've done, and now you work for yourself. Mm -hmm. How has that transition been? Having any advice for for people getting into their own thing and choosing themselves, as you said? Absolutely. All right. Lay it on us. (laughs) We need it. (laughs) Blacks Global wasn't my first entrepreneurial endeavor. So the first one was Propel Media Group, which I started after I got laid off um, from a job, probably like maybe my second layoff or third, who knows, at that point. Once the first one happens, and it's just like, oh, you're off to the races. <laughs> I started like, ah, that's no sweat. I'm good. Um, <laughs> Been through this before. You know? <laughs> right. You know, so I, I did, I loved Propel Media Group, and I did have some successes with it. Um, but what I realized, and I'm so grateful I did have that experience before creating Blacks to Global, was it taught me about my assumptions, I assumed because I had this amazing career and awards and recognition, you know, that'll stand on its own. (laughs) And that was a wrong, that was a false assumption. Um, And I had to start putting myself out there. And that's when I started to, you know, get traction. Um, Also, not all money is good money. And so I had to stop chasing every opportunity 
or jumping at every opportunity. And again, that was just something that I needed to learn. What I appreciated once I did make the switch back to corporate was I didn't get rid of Black uh, Propel Media Group. I kept it just, you know, slowed down the clientele and just kept it on the side because what I what it taught me was that I did not want to have 100% of my income solely coming from my corporate endeavors for my job because that is high risk. Anytime there's something amiss, you know, you're prime for a layoff. And so it helped me to think about, you know, my emergency funds, to think about my long-term goals. And then at some point, you know, I was able to to close the door and put that to bed because at that time I was, um, I had taken on a huge responsibility uh, leading uh, digital marketing for the Advil brand. And it was eating up a lot of my time as well as other brands that I had worked on, but Advil in particular was eating a lot of my time. And so I put that to bed. And then fast forward when I created Blacks of Global in 2020, the beauty was I had all of that experience. I had not only my corporate experience in all levels, but also the strategy of working with these big brands, right? The strategy was always with me. I didn't have my multi-million dollar corporate budget anymore, but I could apply the same skills to build a community, to create the thing that I wanted in the world. And so with that, I was able to take and be more deliberate and intentional. And that for me is how I was able to um, create Blacks the Global in a way that was sustainable. We used to have a Facebook group and that got to almost 10,000 before I you know, hit the kill switch on it um, because I wasn't serving in a way that was authentic to me. And I pivoted to our private community, which doesn't have nearly as many people, but it's my favorite thing because I show up in a way that is sustainable. I show up in a way that's authentic. Um, And so that's where I feel for anybody who's starting out, I say, take the risks, right? But not but, and (laughs) take measured risks, because the payoff is great. You don't know what's on the other side of opportunity if you keep playing small, if you keep playing safe. You already know it's there, right? But when you take that leap and you go into the other side and you use your experiences, good and bad, because they're helpful for you in terms of learning, you can apply that knowledge. Some of it you might use in your next endeavor. Some of it might be something that you can pass along to someone else to help them on their journey and pay it forward. And so, like I said, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of people, you know, uh, taking a risk, um, but definitely go at your own pace because, you know, you don't want to be a flash in the pan. You want to have that simmer and, and be sustainable. Yeah, that's great advice. The travel version of that was going back to what you said in the beginning with the scouting trip. That's kind of like a, a travel version of that, you know, a measured risk. It's like, let me go and see, test the water, see how it feels. I love that advice for business too. 
In terms of the Blacksit movement, you mentioned you know some people in the community and on the podcast, like Vietnam and Thailand. I've heard Costa Rica, and you're in Portugal. What are some of the um, cities that are sort of the the places to look at the most popular cities for this movement? And if anybody's listening and they want to explore, of course, we're going to have all your resources and, and links to your podcast and all that stuff. What are you seeing in terms of the trends of uh, the best places to move abroad? Oh, great question. Um, so definitely high on the list right now is Lisbon. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of interest. Uh, just few, a few weeks ago, I held the uh, Move to Portugal virtual summit with uh, Our Black Utopia. We combined forces and helped people. We had lawyers. We had the whole thing, immigration attorneys, business attorneys, like the whole nonstop, one-stop shop, I should say. Um, so that's the first one. Uh, Spain, uh, because there's a digital nomad visa, and because Portugal has had some recent changes within its government and taxes that have given some people pause in terms of investment or making the, the move. Um, I would say Ghana. Ghana is definitely one that is of interest, as well as South Africa. Uh, let's see, Mexico, Mexico City, San Miguel de Allende. Uh, let's see. And where else? Oh, Indonesia, of course, Bali. <laughs> a lot of people gravitating there. And then some that you don't hear talked about a lot, like uh, Colombia and uh, starting to hear some interest in Argentina. Just it's growing small. But I would say it's starting to, you know, peak its little head up. <laughs> nice. Okay. That's that's a great breakdown. It's cool to hear because you have this wide perspective on, on where people are going and through all the conversations and interactions being at the heart of the movement. That's why it's this really, yeah, it's interesting to hear kind of what you're seeing on the ground in terms of where people are going. Yeah, of course, it's always going to be a question of visas too, like matching the sort of the potential ideal daily life with the reality of can I actually figure out how to get permission to stay if I like it and so on. It's great that you're putting together events where you have lawyers and things like that because that is the the f- not so fun part of it, right? The fun part is like the, <laughs> hey, I can imagine, you know, living here and sipping my espresso on this balcony, looking at this view. And then there's a, like you said, the half day or the day in the immigration office or whatever. But, you know, you have to have one to have the other. That's exactly. <laughs> and I just got my residency last uh, Thursday. Congratulations. And thank you. Yeah, that's thank huge. Thank you. Awesome. Thank Another you. high five moment. That we, can't <laughs> do, but we will do it at some point. What don't you like about living abroad? Yeah, there are some things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe there's more like, you know, hey, these are some of the things that I don't like that, that you might have to deal with, but it's part of life abroad or something, you know? I don't know. What do you, what's coming yeah. to mind? It's not all popcorn and lollipops. Right. Uh, <laughs> there, are, <laughs> there are days where like, um, for example, you know, I can only use Portugal because it's the only country now that I've lived in everything else. You know, there's 16 countries I've been to have been tourists, but there are creature comforts that aren't as readily available. Um, my family hails from the South. My mom came up North in the Great Migration and 
So I miss grits. <laughs> That's been like a big thing. And one of my members who's uh, stateside is uh, bringing back grits when she comes for me. Um, and I had another member a few weeks ago that was here on her scouting trip. She brought me uh, the shade of lipstick because the brand isn't sold in Portugal. So there are those things that, you know, you're not running to Ulta or wherever, like just the things that were kind of like rote and available um, or not, you know, it's definitely also helped me in some ways. So for example, when I first got here and I was like, oh, you know, getting my house together and just do the easy foods. I was like, oh, I'll just make pasta. And I'm like going through the aisles, I got the pasta. And then sauce is in a completely different aisle because that's, where it made sense, I guess. <laughs> and But there wasn't sauce. There were the ingredients to make sauce because they don't have prepackaged sauce. Though I did have to go to Little. Um, they have uh, tomato sauce in the way that <laughs> Americans remember tomato sauce. But you know, in most Portuguese stores, it's like you'll find the components to make sauce. So a lot of things that were prepackaged that I could just have my little quick meals um, aren't here. Uh, or the brands that I might have gravitated to are now in the international aisle. <laughs> and so they're more expensive. Um, another thing that has been a challenge is I'm pretty tall. I'm like 5'8", 5'7", 5'8". And I have big feet. <laughs> and so, uh, and I got rid of like pretty much all my shoes before I got here. And one thing that I did ignore, and I, and I, and as I'm thinking of how I'm going to answer this to say it, it's like my default, my normal, like introverted ways. I'm not a shopper, I'm not a big shopper. So the fact that I didn't really go to the malls when I was on my scouting trip wasn't like, oh, I should do this to check out the stores. It's just, that's not my normal routine. So I didn't even think about it. So when I got here, I got humbled really quick because one, um, the U.S. brand or U.S. size is different. So you have to go to the European size. And then my size shoe was like some outrageously high number that they don't tend to have in Portugal. It's not that they don't make it in the European Union, but Portuguese people are just about yay high, you know, 5'7", five, 5'8", five, maybe 5'9". So sneakers aren't a problem, but like dress shoes, anything like that, mm -mm -mm. So I've had to like start to look at Amazon Germany. <laughs> I have my upcoming trip to Italy. I'll have to source shoes there because I can't find shoes at all. <laughs> um, so it's been interesting in that way. Like I can't just run to the mall and find what I'm looking for. I have to like think and be ahead of the game because it also doesn't come as fast as I might be used to in the States. And so those are things and I see as opportunities for me to just, you know, level set my own expectations. Um, and and, you know, it's not an insurmountable <laughs> thing. It's just an inconvenience. But definitely, if you're, you know, of a certain height, <laughs> you might want to check these things out. <laughs> I get it. I love that you said, you know, it's an opportunity. You come from 
a place where you're so used to just getting kind of what whatever you want or need all the time. And may, maybe it shouldn't be that way, right? So then when that's taken away, it's like, it can be frustrating, but then also it's, there's a lot of lessons in it, I think too. It, it's so funny because when you, when you mentioned the grits, cause I find that this is a common theme for sure for people that live abroad. When I ask them questions around this type of thing, it's always some food that comes first, right? <laughs> like it's for me too. Like when my mom comes over, it's just uh, my poor mother. She has to carry a suitcase full of stuff from America and like really 85% <laughs> of it's food, you know, and it's not healthy food. It's like cheese its or, you know, the stuff that we can't get here, you know, it's just, you can't help it. You just crave these things. Your you body know? is craving the cheese. Yeah. <laughs> my kids are still asking for the goldfish crackers. I'm just like, hang my head. Sorry. I hate them all. <laughs> <laughs> you know but uh you know after i saw a 20 dollar box of lucky charms downtown at the specialty shop i was like oh no you know we're gonna have to we're gonna have to find another way yeah i don't blame you <laughs> <laughs> anyway i'm not that hooked on lucky charms so that wasn't a problem, <laughs> but it is an opportunity and in the beginning i think going into like the grocery store for example i was so frustrated with the lack of options for certain things. Like, what do you mean they only have one or two brands of peanut butter? Like, how do they not have more? You know, how do they not have oh, yes. I, eat, I eat a lot of peanut butter <laughs> on my bananas. True. What can I say? <laughs> but, you know, after a while, it's just like, how many options do you need? You know, do you need exactly. a half an aisle full of peanut butter? I'm just using that as an example. But it kind of streamlines. It's like one less thing to think about. It's like, well, this is what I'm getting. I'm getting the Mills peanut butter. There's no, <laughs> there isn't really many other options. It's interesting that you say that. You're right. There's, yes, it's a smaller consideration set, which I appreciate it because sometimes at the grocery store, I would just spend way too many time, too much time in aisle because I'm trying to find the brand that I'm looking for, but then they move it or whatever. But it's interesting also to see the areas of the store where there are a lot of selection. So in Portugal, the wine aisle like oh, right. wraps yeah. around the store. <laughs> you get one peanut butter and like 9,000 wines. It's like bottles <laughs> on bottles on bottles. You know, it's Alenteju, Stubel, Dao, like all these regions, right? And then the other thing I see that they're serious about is yogurt and pizza. Like there is the yogurt aisle is insanely long. I'm like, I didn't even know that there were many yogurt selections. <laughs> and it's just yogurt. It's yogurt for days. And uh, pizza. So interestingly, like wine, pizza, and yogurt. Those are the three aisles that you will spend some time in. <laughs> you, you got your dinner and drinks with like a healthy-ish dessert. <laughs> exactly. You know? I mean, you're good. <laughs> that covers it. It's awesome. What are you excited about coming up? for you. Oh, wow. What's exciting you right now? Uh, so there's been a request to have another freedom event. I won't say it's a dinner. I'm kind of thinking maybe a brunch, you know, because it'll be spring. I want to mix it up a little bit. So I'm kind of loosely planning that in my head. Uh, right now I'm beginning to record season six of the Blacks of Global podcast, and we're coming back on air uh, in the beginning of the year. And outside of that, oh gosh, wow. The, like I mentioned, the, the house, the Nomad Noir house that I'm hosting, uh, we have a meetup in June for Juneteenth. 
and we're going to have a boat party. And uh, I'll also have a boat party uh, in June as well because I'll be celebrating my 50th birthday. And so, happy birthday! Uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> I'll be doing something somewhere, whether it's here or maybe Italy or somewhere else. <laughs> but um, it would definitely include a yacht of some sort somewhere. <laughs> Sounds epic. <laughs> Go big or go home. <laughs> That's right. Happy almost birthday. Congratulations. And uh, thank you for taking the time to speak. Of course, your website, blacksitglobal.com, uh, will link. I, I, is that the best place? We're kind Because of, you have the podcast there and the link to the Passport community. And is that the best sort of place for people to go to just find all the stuff? Yes, definitely. Yeah. That is all roads lead to home. Okay, cool. Well, I, I admire the work you're doing and the fact that you're leading the charge as part of this movement and helping people that want uh, to move abroad do it, providing the tools and the resources. Like you said earlier, putting the thing out in the world that you wanted to, to, to make to help people. And you're doing all that work. And, and uh, I, I just appreciate it. And I appreciate your time today and sharing your story and just having, having the conversation. I hope we can stay in touch. Oh, most definitely. Jason, thank you so much for the invitation to be on your show. This has been an incredible conversation. I'm so glad we had it. I look forward to seeing you when I come to Norway because I am. Yes, <laughs> let's do that. Next time you'll hear us in person, we'll be high-fiving for That's real. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Thanks again. Thank you. There you go. I want to thank Krishan once again for stopping by the show. I'm so inspired by her work and what she's doing as a part of this movement. So I want to thank her for her time. Hope we can have her back on again in the future. I am going to wrap this one up with a site that's worth visiting, and it is the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial in D.C. I'm going to read a little bit about it from nps.gov. And I'm going to leave you with a quote. And here's a little bit of history around why they included this quote in the memorial. So I'll start with quote. <laughs> the quotations engraved at the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial listed below were thoughtfully selected to show many facets of King's thinking over the years. The quotes include excerpts from his letter from Birmingham jail to his Nobel Peace Prize acceptance speech. And the quote, I have a dream speech delivered just a short walk away at the Lincoln Memorial in 1963, among many others. Each quote is worthy of reflection, not only for what it recalls of King's own time, but what the ideas mean to us all today. And there's a list of quotes I can link up to this article in the show notes on nps.gov. But uh, I wanted to highlight the quote on the statue itself. This is from the I Have a Dream speech in Washington, D.C. on August 28th, 1963. And the quotation serves as the theme of the overall design of the memorial, which realizes the metaphorical mountain and stone. And the quote is, out of the mountain of despair, a stone of hope. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next time. Peace and love to you and yours. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.